0: All right, uh, welcome to the second episode of Flag Down, a lacrosse officials podcast. I am coming to you from a small room uh, at my school uh, in the coffee room. So, you may hear a coffee in the background, we may not, who the hell knows? Uh, but joining me is uh, Gordon Corsetti. Uh, Gordon Corsetti uh, has been Uh, An official in the Atlanta area and the Baltimore area, now in the uh, I guess North Carolina Atlanta area again. Uh, So, uh, Gordon,
1: welcome. Thank you for joining Flag (laughs) Down. Thank you for having me, Matt. Excited to be here.
0: Um, So, uh, how long have you
1: been uh, officiating uh, overall? So I started officiating in 2008. So this is looking about my my 13th uh, season for high school, and about I guess like seven or eight years in, in college officiating uh, on the boys' side for lacrosse.
0: Okay. Um, uh,
1: you were how long were you with uh, US Lacrosse? So I moved up uh, to U.S. Lacrosse at the end of 2014, and I was there for five years uh, and working uh, as their manager of the Men's Officials Development Program and working in concert uh, with uh, the manager of the Women's Game uh, Development Program, Liz Brush, uh, and that was under the whole program by uh, Charlie Obermeyer, who was uh, my boss and and good friend and and fellow refereeing partner. Uh, And I got plugged into uh, the Southern Lacrosse Officials Association uh, as an official there, and refereeing MIAA games or private school or public school games all the way south of D.C. to the far edges of Western Maryland Um, and that was a a, a genuinely uh, great learning experience but also I met a lot of fantastic people uh, for my time up there and then in uh, early part of 2019 I decided I wanted to to bring myself uh, back closer to home, closer to family, closer to friends and um, back down uh, in Atlanta and I'm doing still a lot of officials training. Uh, but I am also doing switched careers in the middle of the pandemic uh, to to get out of the office and be outside, and be a little more physical. Uh, but I'm also still officiating and now doing webinars and and podcasts on uh, what I talk about of of my organization, which is mental agility. My website, which is uh, mentallyagile.com, where I blog and do videos about uh, different types of uh, mindsets, therapeutic modalities, and ways that people can think a little bit more efficiently especially under stress. and then I translate that from stuff off the field to stuff on the field for lacrosse officials in terms of dealing with coaches or your own negative internal thoughts. and that's been the uh, the thing i've I've been doing more on the side and it's been exciting to be able to do that with several different associations uh, around the country since we're we're all still virtual in the time of of the pandemic.
0: So yeah, so um, I would say, on the, you know,
1: so mental agility
0: is uh, a company uh, that uh, you're running. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second, but like. It's very I don't know I, the agility aspect. Um, I would say, you know, <laughs> most like old school referees. Um, like have old school like physical stretching regimens like it's you know they're not doing like the old like but it's just like all right you know i'm going to like uh bend down try and touch my toes get to the knees and that's it whereas you know the first few times uh i ref with you
1: and you're doing like yoga
0: poses to like get stretched out i was like oh wow we're, we are we are going to be limber today so, um, it's night nice, so but not only are so you know, we're not just stretching uh, our bodies, but so now you're working with uh, stretching our minds. So um, uh, talk to me about uh, you know you, you were saying like one of the uh, speeches that you give or like seminars, I guess would be the better term, seminars that you give with mental agility is you know uh, talking to individual referees and like why are they doing this? Why? And they decided to like give up the weekend or whatever? So, um, kind of like talk about that
1: if you would. Absolutely. So the reason I ask officials, whether they're brand new officials or ones that I've done on on these virtual training calls these last few months, is to take a moment. I kind of shut up uh, and just have them sketch out a brief mission statement for for why it is they show up onto a field and put in all this effort. Uh, for this particular game uh, and the reason I do that is it's a it's a bit of philosophy So I have spent the last 15 years basically my entire adult life uh, Dealing with mental illness dealing with depression uh, severe depression uh, that led to multiple suicide attempts in my 20s uh, But also severe anxiety and that was more pronounced in the social anxiety side of things And as any referee in any sport will tell you you actually have to deal with people um, which is weird that I kind of got sucked into refereeing because I I couldn't talk to people. It was it was I was a nervous wreck in those spaces. I just very much wanted to be in my own place and alone and with a book and keep other people far away from me. Uh, but you can't do that and be a a good quality referee. So one of the things that helped me was developing a mission statement and what I I refined it over the years to be uh, the following. So mine is. Whatever game I'm doing, I will give my very best effort and attention so that the players have the best experience possible. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to throw flags or not make calls or, or whatever. It means I'm going to run the position. It means I'm going to apply the rules to the best of my judgment based on the, the, the level of game that it is. Uh, and also, I am going to try to find ways to... Tell players that they're doing a good job. So uh, one of the things that I do uh, in games is I used to when I started off, I'd say, hey, get stick or get off his back or um, and that was telling other coaches that I wasn't calling fouls and I was telling players to, to stop doing an illegal thing. <laughs> Which and that was tough for me because, you know, I heard a lot of, you know, again, old school officials, but the officials who, who mentored me and coming up, that was something that they would say. And then I I graduated to the uh, um, a lesson I learned from Jim Carbino of just saying easy, 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 easy. And that's a bit more of an ambiguous term that you can kind of uh, wiggle around coaches a little bit more effectively. But then I stumbled across a more effective means to get my point across about what i want is i'm constantly on the lookout for players doing the right thing from a contact standpoint so if a player sets a good pick and there's some contact i'm telling the defender and the offensive player it's a good pick gentlemen that's the kind of contact we want today if i get a good check on the gloves or a good body check gentlemen that's the contact we're looking for keep it that way keep it there and i found that kind of positive reinforcement number one uh, shows if the coach is over here, it shows that I'm, I'm looking for legal contact. I'm not just trying to bang kids out here. Uh, but two, it, it puts a bug in those kids' ears about hey, uh, this referee is going to let me play as long as I play within the rules, and he's telling me that what I'm doing is okay. So I, I'm going to keep doing this. Uh, and I, that's, that's, has, caused me, I think, to have to have smoother games as a result, no matter what level I've been at, and better relationships with players, because I'm not like constantly telling them not to do something, I'm just telling them when I notice them do something good. Um, so that's one bit, but that comes back to my mission statement of I'm, I'm giving my full attention, my full effort to the players all the time so that they have the best experience possible. And that matters whether I'm doing a 6U game all the way up to whatever college game I, I might have on a weekend. And that is my why. And uh, Nietzsche is credited with saying that a man who can, a man, I'll update at this one, a person who has a why can bear almost any how. And for me, in the mental illness side of things has also been, you know, that's a driving factor, why I do mental agility of I want to teach people some different philosophies and ways of thinking uh, and some different mental therapies that, that they can do that improves their self-talk but just ways that they can enjoy their life just a little bit more and I found that if you have a mission statement uh, that you can you can lean on that in difficult moments so that was my mission statement for lacrosse when I referee and I repeat that to myself at the beginning of pretty much every game uh, but my mental agility my, my my overall life mission statement and I've got this written down I've on several places is Um, I share methods of thinking that help people with or without mental illness live more fulfilling lives. And so I know when I have an awful drag out nasty day where my depression is is royally kicking my rear end, I'm going to endure that far more easily than I did when I was 22 or 15 uh, because I know I'm going to be able to turn that experience into possibly an educational experience for somebody else through a video, a talk or a seminar or a blog post.
0: I gotta tell you, I mean, um, don't. If I had a nickel for every time I talked about uh, Nietzsche and his uh, influences on the cross, <laughs> a, you'd have a nickel. <laughs> I'd be a wealthy man. Holy <laughs> hell! Um, like so, uh, how had like has your like when you first did your mission statement, uh, like why you do. Um, is it different than
1: what it is like today yes and so i i asked two questions and because generally i'm speaking to an audience of it can be first-year officials and it can be individuals who've been doing this for 20 plus years uh, but this might be the first time they've considered doing this activity right this thought experiment and so i'll say it is perfectly okay if your mission statement is to earn extra money that's typically how all of us got into this in one form or fashion. And then officiating and lacrosse and the connections that we, we made with other officials really suck us in. And then we get more and more bonded to the game, to the experience, to being an official. And that certainly happened to me. And then, then my, my, my driving force to going to a game became less about I need to make some extra money or I enjoy lacrosse, so I want to stay involved in it because I used to play and I enjoy coaching, but I enjoy refereeing more. So I'm just going to do this thing to, okay, how can I best facilitate a good experience for the players? And that turned into more just personal work on my end. So it's like I need to know how to be in position. I need to know the rules. I need to know the rule differences <laughs> and and then that graduated into i need to be able to deal with coaches that get upset over things whether they're upset at me or not and or or i need to bring a, a partner along who's having a difficult game or a tough time concentrating or whatnot and all of those things led me to my mission statement that it is now and so i ask officials i say hey just put in you know, like why did you get into doing this and, and money or getting in better shape or having something to do that's active, uh, or just something to get out of the house, that's perfectly fine. That then gets you into that next step of, okay, so how are you going to give players a positive experience on the field? And thats that leads people into into their own referee mission statement, and I've, I've been— happy that other guys have come up to me and some some versions of it might be like I give 100% 100% of the time uh or uh you know the players are 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 playing hard so I need to referee to to you know to their level of of effort um and that's just a a reminder a gentle reminder but a worthwhile one to it doesn't matter if it's you know again a, a little little kids game or uh, a club college game <laughs> or, or a game in the MIAA where, you know, these kids practiced all week and their parents drove them to practice and or drove them back and the coaches game planned. And it's, it, for me, it's, it, it's an investment that officials can use to that shows on the field in the effort that they put out there and the attention that they give to the game that matches what the players, the coaches, uh, the assistants, the trainers, the administration, and the parents give – to that one game just as well
0: yeah it's kind of um when you talk about you know like giving like trying to have like you know giving the kids like like the ability to have like the best game possible and as you get more games under your belt we're focused on how to do that changes so i think like the first like you know, one to three years, it's. You know, knowing the rules and then knowing where you need to be. And then once you get like that. Um, uh, like basis down that foundation down, then it's OK. You know, then you kind of like get better at communication, then you start kind of like fine tuning stuff like. um. it is very interesting how um like your i don't know in order to do that like for your specific mission statement i would think like your uh what focus you put on changes you know the more experienced you become
1: yeah and the the um like so i thought i was a really awesome official after my second year and it, it took some hard conversations from some mentors and a lot of film review to be like, wow, I actually kind of suck. Um, and I, I, I honestly don't think I, I felt like a a fully competent official that the players deserved um, and, and to, to honor the game that I care about until like well into my 10th year of officiating. And I still feel like I'm, um, you know, they, they say that, you know a black belt is just a white belt that never quit uh but it's also one of those things of of and i used to do martial arts a lot as one of the philosophies of of the instructors that i had who was a black belt in jiu-jitsu and kickboxing and wing Chun, said that he's like when i earn these you know the master title right that's when i could actually start studying this to the level that i wanted to study it so it's not that the, 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 the learning ever stops or the improvement ever stops. It's just your focus does change. And so when I tell newer officials, I'm like, make your first three years just about getting into the right position and making your signals look good. like that. that as long as you can do that, that has to become automatic so that then you can offload that, those thoughts from your brain and you can spend more time looking at the plays in front of you. And you have more brain power, really, to, to discern what is and isn't really a push and transition. What is a, a slash? Does it match up with what was called earlier on the other side of the field? And then when you start getting into those those middle years of officiating, of of how can I better deal with people, with coaches, with players? How can I keep things? <laughs> how can I better
0: deal? How can I better deal with people?
1: How can I be, and Yeah, and that's that's why it's like you know, it's I, I joke that you know I do these coaching seminars. Uh, and referee webinars and and all these different things, but I'm like, uh, I, I have uh, all this stuff is brain stuff, so it's all human stuff. It crosses over every possible boundary around there because it's just our biology and our physiology and our psychology. It's like I, I've it's these are human problems. So if you can learn how to deal with angry coaches, you know, I, I I had to deal with an angry motorist at my job who was upset last week that the road was closed, and he made that displeasure very well known, and I'm like. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you can yell at me all you want. You just can't go through here, so you're going to have to turn around. And you, you, can, you can keep yelling at me. I'm cool with that. Just, just turn the vehicle around. There you go. Okay. Take care. Have a good day, sir. Um, so those are the things that there's so much crossover in those skills for officiating that um, what I try to do is, especially with these mission statements, is I find that that's a better anchor for individuals than just giving them games. Certainly that is necessary. But if they can get a better focus on to i'm just going to worry about this year my theme is going to be uh my out of bounds mechanic is going to be perfect every freaking game okay cool by the end of that season you will never have to think about what hand to raise where when or what to point because that'll be your big focus and then next year you can work on something uh, more significant or, or or more challenging for you and then that is by the time they get to year three they're actually feeling somewhat competent, and they're more likely to stick around because that's—I mean, you know—we we tend to lose guys around year three. Um, so I find that that if if we can zero in on on just why are they coming into this game, and then what can we most focus on, and and make that our mission statement, and that can change on a year-to-year basis, um, that that is a a good model I've found for for keeping officials engaged, especially when they have difficult games.
0: Yeah. So in essence, you're creating like. Procedural memories, you know, like you don't have to think about riding a bike. You've you know that motion, you know, and so you can know, you focus on other things when you're riding a bike. Just the same way, like if you, like you say, focus on the mechanics. Those mechanics become second nature, and then then focus on. You're able to focus more on like those bang bang plays because you're in the right spot, or you know, you know where to go, and that's like you know the real fun. So speak. It,
1: it, it is because it's it's those things of just like, yes, we're watching the game, but it's I mean, I, I, I shudder to think of the official I was, you know, 10 years ago, um, because it, it, what I thought in my head didn't match up with reality. Uh, in terms of my performance and my knowledge of the rules and whatnot, and I got I got I got uh, tapped on the head by a couple of, of officials uh, all over the country, really, um, who helped me kind of really see what's going on. I think the benefit of officiating, from a mental standpoint, is that um, you know no matter where you go, you know games are filmed and and a lot of associations are doing really good observation programs as well. So it's one of those opportunities where you do get to get feedback on something, and if you care to apply it, then that those lessons of getting Uh, uh, responses or critiques on your performance just makes you be able to be a little bit like step back from yourself and like just look at yourself um, without you know too much judgment but then you can apply that to other areas of your life that's how I can evaluate myself from a working perspective uh, how I evaluate myself in my more personal relationships where um, I'm like you know what to, to be honest about the fact that I might not have handled a situation particularly well, and then to be able to come around the next time that happens and try something a little bit more effective that's going to calm the situation down, or at the very least, I'm not going to say something I'm definitely going to regret.
0: I'd like to think that I would be the exception that proves the rule, where, like, I've always been excellent at a fish <laughs>
1: well we call it the so it's it's obvious so so when I was at us lacrosse I, I managed the Laredo program on the boys side the women's uh, the girls game has what's called the lead program same deal level two level three you uh, an official shows up gets evaluated over like seven games over three days and they get some harsh critiques and some honest critiques by officials who've been doing this for 30 40 plus years uh, at an extraordinarily high level and I sat in a lot of observations, I gave a lot of observations, and the the thing that I found interesting was, you know, we, we joke as the clinicians, is that some officials come for validation, uh, and others come for verification. They want to know, are they actually doing this stuff right, and, and will change based on the critiques they're given. The ones that come for validation, this is the Dunning-Kruger effect in action, which is- <laughs> All that is for those who, who, who don't have a, 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 a nerd out for psychology as I do is that, so there's a bell curve in performance for everything, for every freaking thing, whether we wish to believe that or not. And most of us are average. That's just how the, the math works. Uh, you cannot be at the top 10% of everything you do. And you're also not liking the bottom 10% of everything you do. You're in that, that that middle range and it's a wide range where the top of the bell curve pops up. And we see a lot for officials where if they start getting some better games, and I was I was this way, I was this dude um, who, like, I'm the best freaking official in the world, and it doesn't match reality when you compare them to other officials, and that cognitive dissonance when they realize that, they go one of two ways. They either shut down and stay the same or eventually leave officiating, uh, or they uh, they can. Uh, I could have gone that route and I was more stubborn and I had to lean on that and be like, you know what? No, I'm going to figure out how to do this the right frickin way. Um, and that's led me to a lot of great relationships now. Uh, but the I had to be brought It had to be brought to my attention that I wasn't nearly as good as I thought I was, which is the value of observations and the value of having honest critiques from people that you respect. Uh, which I don't think we, we regularly get all that often in our working lives. And I think we also don't necessarily get that very much in our personal lives. And to do a little bit of a personal anecdote is, again, I, I live with depression and lacrosse and officiating is one of those things that has kept me alive. Um, and I, I don't mean that to be hyperbolic. It's all of my attempts to end my life were in the fall, the, as far away opposite of the lacrosse season as I could get time-wise. Um, so that, th- those, those, those games, those seasons um, were the best times of my year. And what I've had to establish now is I have to there, there's a there's a limited group of people, friends and family, very limited, maybe six, seven uh, individuals who have the right at any time to call me out on something I say um, or if I'm not replying to text or phone calls or emails or I'm uh, being uncommunicative they have the right to ask me how am I doing really and to continually keep asking me that because my brain is part of it anyway is my own worst enemy and I've had to out I've had to outsource the the recognition of if I'm going into a depressive spiral to the people that know me best and so I do that on the officiating side as well of I, I have my, my guys hold me accountable like I work when I work with a first year official, and they're like, you know, oh, man, I'm kind of, you know, I'm nervous. If you see anything that I do, just let me know. I'm Like, I appreciate that attitude, but it goes both ways. If you see me doing something and you're like, why the hell is he doing that? Ask me. I might be doing something that's a college mechanic that is not really necessary in a 13U game. So <laughs> these are, it, it's a, it's a respect factor there, but it's also a, a willingness to understand that uh, if you're constantly searching and, and aiming to get just a just one percent better um, you can you can take feedback from just about anybody in any situation and utilize that to your advantage i
0: think that one percent is a key thing like you're not going to get you know 25 or you know you're not gonna uh, go from being able to do like you know youth club games to you know High level across, you know, high level high school across like overnight, like there, you gotta like there, there is a process, and I think that's something that's like really, you know, um,
1: is tough to understand. You now, like, you, well, it's you, it's a it's a crock pot mentality. That's what new officials need to gather. And that's also what trainers need to gather as well, regardless of whether they're doing officiating uh, or, or mentoring anybody in anything, is it's a crock pot. Nobody has ever thrown a chicken, veggies, potatoes, and sauce into a crock pot and 15 minutes later enjoyed a meal. It's, it's the, you know, you, you put that thing in for 8, 10 hours, you go do about your day, you come back and you're like, the house smells amazing, this is going to be a fantastic dinner. Um, but these this is not a microwave uh, career progression in in this hobby. This is, this is a crockpot one where you're going to be, you're going to be in this crucible. It's going to be hot. It's going to be uncomfortable. Stuff's going to get stirred around, uh, and it's going to take time. And that is again, to circle really back to, you know, the first thing we talked about is that's why I lean on mission statements of why are you really doing this? And when I observe officials as well, I ask them in pregame, I'm like, tell me, tell me what your goals are here and that helps me influence what it is I'm really looking for and also how I'm approaching that official post game. If I have an official that says who's a third-year official who wants to referee college games, okay, cool, I'll take that energy and I will help you to the best degree that I can, uh, and I'm going to evaluate you then like, I, like I've been evaluated as a collegiate official um, because that's the standard that they're going to have to meet, and they need to be exposed to that as soon as possible. But if I have you know if i've got a 55 year old dad whose son just graduated who wants to play and he's just good doing jv games that's going to totally change my interaction with him and and also my expectations right so it's 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 a recognition of, of why people are doing this and that helps when you're you're talking to folks and 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 getting them to know why uh, a particular critique or bit of feedback is is important and that's also the other bit you know, kind of dovetails over into the coaching side of, of of recognizing why people are there, and coaches are there to win the game, and there's a bit of friction there because we don't care who wins, and so we got to be able to manage that friction.
0: These are all great points. Um, what's your favorite crock pot meal?
1: <laughs> uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, I, I really do a I do a, a whole whole chicken. Uh, potatoes, uh, thick carrots, uh, and and uh, various seasonings on that bit. But that that is a that is a hearty meal to come home to. Especially, I, I, I did that up in Baltimore a lot when I was coming back from DC, and I'm freezing my tail off. And, and I get in the get in mm-hmm. my apartment, I'm like, at least I have a hot, warm meal here. So, <laughs> okay.
0: Think. I oh, do no. Chili in the crock pot, I'm a huge fan of.
1: <laughs> I mean, I can do a low country boil. It's not really a crock pot, but it does take some time. And it's delicious.
0: <sighs> See, I have no idea. Low country boil is outside of my uh normal range of um uh recipes. <laughs> um how like have you ever talked uh, to, like, not referees, but, like, coaches mm-hmm. about what their, maybe, like, their mission statement is? Like, you know, have they thought of, like, mission statements for, like, a season, you know, or for a specific team? Because it's has kind of like, I like, you know, that's, like, one of those things where if you, as a referee, I it's it's not like you know like hi Lord Corsetti hi I'm Rainbow. What's your mission statement for the season? So, so, <laughs> I know, like, gonna, like, like, like but I like have have I think if you as an official kind of like think about that going into a game, you know, not only so if you have your own self, but you recognize that other people have mission statements and you kind of like think about, I think that helps you color your understanding of where people are coming from so like have you talked to coaches about you know do they have mission statements for them?
1: i haven't in season like that's not part of my pregame chat um whether <laughs> whether, whether, captain, whether I know them or not said, I'm uh, like
0: coach what color you in red right? captains. mission statements and I'll put that on the back of my
1: Yeah, mission statement. I need three sentences uh, at least. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. That's, so. Coach, that, that's an awful mission statement. That's, that's yeah. yeah, you got to type that. Up. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's not the uh, the vibe I'm trying to put out there pregame. Um, but the I think it's important to realize this. So um there, there's a, a really interesting book um by a new york times reporter he went to major league baseball baseball's umpire training uh camp it's a seven week camp they've got two of them i think one in arkansas one in florida and then he followed uh minor league baseball umpires all the way through uh and then uh, connected and it stayed with the those officials umpires who were doing the world series that year this was early 2000s and he said the the interesting thing about understanding of of where coaches come from is that coaches want to win and officials don't care who wins. And that's a problem that is inherent friction that officials have to be able to deal with. And coaches, they get a pass a little bit on some of their behavior. Certainly in baseball, that's a little bit understood, but the, in the lacrosse side of things is you can, you can, if you just assume that every coach that you uh, coach referee for, wants to win that game, you 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 know a few things. You always know where they're coming from, which I think is fascinating because in arguments with either coworkers or bosses or partners, uh, spouses, whatever, friends, you 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 may not always know why they're pissed off at you. Um, but the useful thing about officiating is you always know why the coach is pissed off at you. and the the question is to find a way, Um, to, to address that professionally. And so knowing that the coach always wants to win the game, that's one thing. Knowing that the coach probably would love to be able to get to the state championship game, make a playoff run. I think that's fair in high school athletics, certainly in college. The dynamics a little different in college because that's how they feed their families, and not necessarily the case in high school. So you you notice that step up. I didn't make that connection when I jumped into college officiating, but when I learned, I'm like, this is how this man is feeding his children. And if this is the goal, if this goal that could be a, a tight crease play. Uh, might be the go-ahead goal for the other team, and that might mean that he has a losing season for the third season in a row. He might get fired. I can understand a little bit more why he's so upset with a crease violation call or something. So that that frames his behavior in a much more understandable fashion. And it's, it's more than just that coach is a dick, right? But the, you know, on, on the high school side of things as well is yeah, the coaches, they, they want to win the game. They, they, this is a, a, for the most part, volunteer thing for them. They're putting extra hours in after their main job and away from their families and the other things they enjoy doing to coach a whole bunch of teenagers who are challenging at the best of times uh, and will make weird decisions in games. Um, and and you you start recognizing, especially when you start doing some some coaches who might be doing some newer programs or, or they graduated a bunch of quality players and they're bringing up it's a rebuilding year. and you can start seeing like the the coach may be yelling at me, but he's more frustrated with his players, right It's just it's 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 the action of that is is getting directed my way because I'm the easier target, right? And so again, that's one of those things where if you have a little bit of empathy, if you can recognize that, this team hasn't caught a pass all quarter, um, and the coach is yelling at me because, you know, I called a failure to advance call, and I gave him 12 seconds instead of 10 because I finally got it over the midfield line, but I couldn't give him 13 because that really looked bad. <laughs> like, he's, he's going he's gonna to yell at me, and I might be able to sidle up and like, Coach, here's the deal. I get it. I'd be frustrated in your spot, too. I'm trying to help you guys out here where I can. And that, that's just a bit too much because, you know, in the games like that, the score is like 12 to nothing at that point. So mm-hmm. as long as I'm getting the safety calls, the other stuff I can kind of work with and the other coach will will generally understands that as well, but you got to recognize a bit more. It's not just this coach is a problem. It's where is this individual coming from? And if you can get a better sense of that, you are much more likely to have better responses to that individual at difficult moments and that is where I come into. And, and sometimes it's just, you know, uh, and I've had this. I, I had this vividly. I'll do a little bit of a, of a short situation here because it's, yeah, I think it's valuable for the, the uh, uh, specifically the boys lacrosse officials. They'll, they'll know what I'm talking about. I was doing a college game out in West Maryland. Uh, the home team uh, was the dominant team, the visiting team. Uh, they were in this game until the national anthem. That's how, that's how poorly poorly stacked up they were against the home team uh the head coach and the assistant coaches the four of them for the team they didn't say a word all game my crew was solid we didn't really have a lot of flags it's just this other team's pumping in goals these guys are fine we get to the fourth quarter on the trail i throw a hold call against the home team and so that we you know the visiting team the losing team goes goes man up for the next restart and I point and my partner restarts play. And I'm the trail. I'm right on nearest nearest the benches. And now the head coach and all the assistant coaches are screaming at me, jumping up and down. They have too many men, too many men, too many men. And they are they are angrily shouting this. i like, where the hell is this coming from? So I'm, I'm looking, I was like, I counted beforehand as I as I train and and, and and do. And I go, they have five on defense and a goalie. And I turn around. Um, I kind of look over my shoulder. and I go, coach. They, they, they have they're they're okay over here, and he's like, no, they have too many attackmen. And I go, what? So the ball's far side. So I spare a look over my shoulder, and I count four attackmen in the home team's offensive half of the field, and I have a brain fart, which happens. It's going to happen in every level of game, anywhere, all the time. It just happens. In my head, I go, that's behind the play. We don't worry about. Too many men are offside behind the play, so this isn't a this isn't a problem. And that would have been fine if I had just shut up, but I allowed my mouth to run ahead of my brain. And I mm-hmm. told the coach, that's not a penalty, coach. It's behind the play. And that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> because the coach now is up. He's like – and this goes – he gets furious. He's jumping up and down. There's nothing I can do to calm him down in this state. He's jumping. He's like, I'm calling. You're a signer. I'm calling – Uh, The conference leader, I'm calling my AD. You're never going to work here again. You know, this this is atrocious. You don't know the rules. Too many men is too many men. And then they latched onto that. Too many men is too many men always. They kept repeating that. Uh, And then my partner, Farside, hears this commotion, looks at me, looks at the coaches, and then he must have counted the four offensive players and and bombs his flag from the single side. And I'm like, thank God. (laughs) And I told him that. I was like, you bailed me out here. Um, And so... I, you know, we kill the play when the ball goes out of bounds. And I look across to him and I'm very innocent. I was like, what do you have? (laughs) He goes, too many men on white. I go, okay. And I turn around, I relay the penalty. And now it's a six on four restart. And the coaches are still furious with me, right? Because what have I done? I've shown that I, number one, don't know the rules. And number two, uh, am flaunting that lack of rule knowledge to them by saying it's not a penalty. (laughs) And, and this might be the one chance they have in this game to score a goal, right? So they'd like to at least get on the bus with a with getting on the board. And mm-hmm. so I, I saddle up to the coach. My partners, I trusted them. They're, they're taking care of the the uh, the man up over there. And I back up to the cone, and I get right next to the coach. And I say, I'm still looking at the field. And I say, coach, and I'll be vervi- – I was like, coach, you're completely correct. My F up. Like I said that I was like, my F up. You're right, I'm wrong. And he shut up instantly. All of his assistant coaches dropped their jaws dropped. He took his sunglasses off and was like, Nobody has no no referee has ever said that to me before. And I look at him and I go, Coach, I'm not happy to be the first. Um, but you know what? You know, I'm gonna I I'm not gonna make that mistake again. And and my assigner was not called uh, a, a game protest wasn't filed. Uh, the game ended without any other issues. But the to, to, to recognize, number one, that I was in the wrong, that I communicated poorly, and that also, what's the situation here? They've finally gotten the ball over midfield. They're finally man up. They might actually get on the scoreboard. And now it's a pride thing. And all I did with my commentary and brain fart uh, was pissed all over the very, very, very tiny parade that they were hoping to have, right? And so that that then I could step back and be like, ooh, I really am in the wrong. And the only thing I can do here is be like, coach, I got to eat that one. I'm sorry. That's a, yeah, I, I can't, I have no leg to stand on. You're completely correct. And that solved that issue. And sometimes if just acting like a human being will bring the coaches and the players down to a back to a human being level, maybe not down, but up to a human being level of like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to screw this up and we can work together to acknowledge that and move on. I
0: think um, that's a good story. Uh, we are talking about, you know, like coaches and like that, that was his, uh, you know, reason that you or whatever for that day. Um, the. It's, I think it's easy to tell. You know what high school coaches like. What their reasonings are. What college coaches what their reasoning are. It might be even more difficult to figure out the reasons behind the motives or like the mission statements for youth coaches, because you're going to have some coaches that are, I think are there to like win games. You have other coaches that are coaching but, like you know, focus on skills, that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff. And I think that might be, like, a big issue that – because that's where your most inexperienced referees are going to be on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. So having to, like, see it through the eyes of a coach, Mm -hmm. or at least, you know, the lens of what they're interpreting the play as, I think that's something uh, where you might see more conflicts because of that because you don't necessarily know where the motives of that coach are common well, like individual uh, coach on a rec slash
1: club I, level. Again from Again, uh, th- there are some things that we can safely assume at the at the youth and rec level. Um, you can still safely assume that the coaches would like to win the game. That's still a fair assumption. Uh, but still, and the, the useful thing about the, the – the youth coaching, especially with US lacrosse and their endeavors in the boys and girls games across the country is with their coaches certification program here is the idea is to teach these kids the skills that they can be that they can enjoy playing the game right as it's meant to be played. Um, Does everyone follow that directive? No, but I'd say a a vast majority do and the ones that don't are the ones that we talk about and have stories about and, and, and are the ones that make the news um so we don't give those those folks doing it the right way enough credit in that space but i think even the 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 thing to realize is this is folks are always like oh youth parents are the worst youth coaches are the worst i was like well these kids are eight years old as far as mom and dad are concerned that's their little baby and we have put on their little baby what amounts to police riot gear and said, "You have to now compete with 19 other tiny human beings in the same gear and and try to survive." That's a weird thing. I think that's odd. Um, and to realize that you know, it's like when you've got a mom yelling at you uh, because little Johnny just got trucked, but got trucked legally. But that was a that was an illegal call two years ago uh, at his age level. But now he's grown up into the slightly bigger body of lacrosse. Um, that. What's the mom and dad naturally going to do? Oh, that's a penalty. Oh, you don't know anything. Oh, you're terrible. Same thing on the coach's side. If they're coaching, maybe some of their kids are on the game or certainly their kids' friends. Um, And these are adults who are parents all who have an instinct to take care of their kids. And they will, if they don't feel the officials are doing that, they will make that known. And so that's where I lean still on my mission statement which is 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 broad for a reason but it's, it's also specific it's that um my goal here when i step onto the field is 100 for the players and their experience i don't care when i'm applying this in my head about the parents comments concerns issues i also don't really care also about the coaches on that end because sometimes they're not going to be able to help me have the give the players the best experience possible. I have flagged a coach for F-bombing his own players in a 15 or a 14-U game. And he's like, I'm talking to my own players. And I'm like, you're not going to talk to them like that. You're going to talk to them as in a respectful fashion. And I am more than willing, and I've been doing youth ball since before I was even a high school official. Um, that My family ran a youth league in Georgia. That's in my blood. Uh, I am more than willing to be a dick. For good behavior. So if I have to flag you, eject you, or tell you that you are not acting like a forty-some-year, some odd, you know, adult man should act, I'm going to do that because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the players having the best experience possible. And so when they start tipping the scales uh, towards them having an, a, an unpleasant experience, I'm going to go hard on the other side of the scales and balance that back out.
0: Well, I think that's a good place to stop. Sweet. Gordon, this was a joy. Thanks, man. Uh, uh, hopefully, uh, we can uh, have you on again, uh, talk about some other topics. But once again, this is uh,
1: Gordon Corsetti. Uh, it's, is it mentalagility.com? So, it's, it's uh, you, you'll Google Mental Agility. I'll pop right up. Uh, the website is mentallyagile.com, and I'm all across Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. All right. Fantastic.
0: Well, everyone, thank you for joining us and thank you, Gordon, and have a good one. Sweet.